Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Baird. How are you, Stuart? You alright? I'm fine, John. How's things with you? Yeah, no bad. I'm glad we're back doing the podcast again. It's we good. are again. I hope everybody enjoyed those A9 specials that we, we put out last How month. How good were they? Yep. But it's just back to me and you now. Me and you, back to Glasgow. And back to Glasgow. That's right, because it is a very special birthday. It is. Of a certain of the motorway network it is the Renfrew motorway turns 44 wow no way 44 of us. yeah 44th part, party absolutely such a huge huge event <laughs> worthy of celebration that's right so the Renfrew motorway Stuart tell us where that is because that's jargon yeah that is jargon to a lot of people so that's the section of the M8 between Kingston Bridge and Hillington okay so junction 20 to 26 okay uh, it's been a while since we discussed the Renfrew motorway in any detail. So there was... Well, that's right, because we are revisiting this, but it was yeah. a long, long time it ago. It was a long about. time ago, and we didn't really talk about the Renfrew motorway on its own because we included it with other sections of the we M8 did. there. So there were... We've had some new information on the over the last year and a half or so. It's got some cool features, isn't it? Because yeah. it's got the massive plantation interchange. Yeah, uh, you've got the junctions at Helen Street, at Ibrox, uh, and also at Cardone to the Clyde Tunnel. Exactly. Uh, what else are we talking about this time? Well, there's been some new things, new toys that we've got. So there's a new um, slide scanner. There is, which has helped massively, and we're getting to see some stuff that we've not seen, and certainly the. The public haven't seen for a long time. Yeah, I think that's worth talking about. Um, I've got one or two other wee things to mention at the end as well. Yeah. So, Renfrew Motorway then. Yeah. So, as I said, it's junction 20 to 26, Kingston Bridge to Hillington. Mm -hmm. It's a key part of the M8 across the city. Okay. Um, it's very much an urban motorway. It's a section of the urban motorway system in Glasgow and built to urban standards. Fairly closely spaced junctions. Yep. Key giveaway. Um, it was... It's an interesting one because... When, when, what was the background of this one? I mean, yeah. we talk about Inner Ring Road and how that became part of the highway plan. Yeah. Is this highway plan too? Yeah, so it, it came out of the highway plan basically as a bypass for Paisley Road and Paisley Road West. Mm -hmm. So all the traffic heading west at that time was using Scotland Street, Paisley Road, Paisley Road West, down through Cardonald, all the way up to Paisley, and Renfrew via the old A8, you know, around Pyatt past yeah. Ibrox Stadium and then out through Renfrew and out through you know Renfrew Town Centre mm -hmm. basically out the other end so they knew they needed a route that would bypass all that and basically be a fast link out to the motorway and crucially connect in with the trunk road motorway Renfrew bypass that's what I was just about which, to say because that yeah, had already been built first that, and the line for that was was already defined by the time that the, the highway plan was coming along so they, they it made sense to tie in with that at Hillington. So mm -hmm. the Renfrew motorway is named for that reason. It took traffic towards Renfrew. Yeah. Simple. Um, Glasgow Airport, industry, all these things that were around about that area. Now, this was really the last one that was pushed forward by the corporation um, themselves before it became Strathclyde Regional Council in terms of motorway scheme. It was the last one done kind of, in a, I say traditionally, the way the original inner ring road schemes were done in that the corporation gave the design of the scheme to consultants, private okay. consultants. So Scott Wilson got stage one mm -hmm. and WA Fairhurst and Partners got stage two. Now, it was felt that a single contract all the way out from 20 to 26 was was simply too big for any one contractor. Given the complexity and it's yeah. an urban motorway. So course. they decided to split it in two and the, the division between the contracts was Helen Street. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Scott Wilson um, did everything from Kingston Bridge to Helen Street and Fairhurst from Helen Street to Hillington. Mm -hmm. Okay, Fairhurst um, probably had the easier of the two sections. 
you know, if you were to say... Well, because um, it wasn't all the structures that you had at that's right. um, yeah. Scotland Street and... Exactly, know, and the ramps for the for the M77 and, mm-hmm. and, and all these various bits and bobs. So, in terms of the, the justification and, and the approval for the route, it all kind of fell into place around about 1970-71. But it took a bit of time to actually get the contract kicked off and, and on the ground. And there was a whole raft of economic issues going on around about the time that, that didn't help matters. Mm-hmm. But eventually, they were able to commence work on stage one um, around 1973. Uh, so late 73, this, this, 73. This is the time when the oil crisis was there as well. Is that what you mean by complications at the start? Is uh, At that time, yeah. uh, really, in all the talks we've been doing and stuff lately, the attitude towards motorways, especially in, in towns, has started to change as well at that yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, that's right. There had been a definite change in the approach and, yeah. and the way people saw urban motorways, uh, especially after the Charing Cross section opened mm-hmm. in Glasgow. There was ongoing protest against the south and east flanks at that time as well, as we've discussed in other podcasts. Um, the Renfrew Motorway was kind of able to avoid that because for the most part it actually avoided any residential areas so so a lot of the property around about the tradeston area had been demolished as part of the comprehensive development area but really west of the it was either industrial land that it was passing through mm-hmm. or it was running parallel to the railway line you know the main of course that's, line. that's right it does and yeah. in fact when you go in on the train yeah. there's long tunnel sections where that's you're actually right. under that the yeah. from motorway. but this this leads me to another question while we're on it we've spoken so much about comprehensive redevelopment and how that was connected with the road plans. Yeah. Was it the same for the Renfrew motorway all the at, way out to Hillington? At its far eastern end, yes, there was comprehensive development at Tradeston. So right. all the clearance of property that happened there was for that purpose, you know, the Shields Road area. Yep. But from there out, so say from round about Scotland Street, Seaward mm-hmm. Street, Junction 21, from there all the way to Hillington, that was procured in a traditional manner, i.e. Ah, roads right. orders and compulsory purchase orders and that kind of thing although a lot of the, the land was already owned by the corporation anyway i believe mm. um construction did kick off 1973 uh, on stage one stage two followed slightly later uh, and was slightly delayed by the the oil crisis and other economic issues that were going on at the time stage one managed to squeeze through just a few weeks before mm. the general embargo on civil engineering projects at that time so they were working on the section basically from the kingston bridge yeah all the way to helen street, to helen street yeah and then the section from helen street from there on uh, came a wee bit later it started eventually in the spring of 1974 um, but stage uh, one had started in the autumn of 1973 Uh, to give you some facts and figures uh, you know the designers we've mentioned that already Uh, Balfour Beatty were awarded the construction of stage one um, which was valued at 30 uh, sorry 20 million 20 million 35 million pounds in total for the, the full scheme what so, a bargain yeah a bargain <laughs> yeah uh, so 20 million uh, for stage one 15 million for stage two um stage two was awarded to leonard fairclough mm-hmm. limited uh, a contractor we don't hear a lot about mm-hmm. um we know recently, I believe, they did some M- M- A9 stuff. We M- M9. M9, was it? Yeah. Um, you know, so we know that they had some involvement there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was always envisaged that both stages would open to traffic at the same time. And ultimately, that's what, what happened in, in, in October 1976. And the 15th of October 1976, stage one and two were completed and opened as one scheme. So as far as the Renfrew Motorway was concerned, to the public, using it, it was just one years. part of yeah. the motorway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what you're saying here, Stuart, because you think about it before this Renfrew motorway, we had our Renfrew bypass. Okay, so that ran from Hillington, which is presently Junction 26, all the way out towards Erskine Bridge. Okay, yes. where the presently where Junction 29A is. 
Yeah, that section of the motorway. Then we had our inner ring road as well with the Kingston Bridge, but there's this gap in the middle. Yeah. And that's what the Renfrew Motorway done, is it basically tied the two of them together. And it provided the future links for the Air Motorway, yes. or the Air Road route, which became the M77. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So um, those ramp. this is something we do get asked. I mean, plantations are um, a large interchange. It's probably something we can speak about quite a, quite a lot on this. Uh, but those ramps were provided for that future connection. They were, although, um, as I think we've mentioned you know, before when we've discussed this section, um, I mean, you 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 have a a liking for the the, the braided section, absolutely, yeah. Uh, between uh, Kingston and and Plantation, uh, by braided we mean it's parallel carriageways running. That's right. So you've got four, four carriageways there. Yeah. yeah, and there's some facts about that that people might not be aware of. Yes. Um, second widest stretch oh, of motorway in britain that's right yeah but the amount of running lanes there is the second widest 16, 16 or 17 lanes. running lanes yeah. um it depends because some sometimes if you're counting auxiliary lanes or you're counting um the the hard shoulders it can be even more but more for running that. lanes it's second in the uk beaten only by the interchange between the m60 and the m61 at worsley yeah which is the worsley braid now we've looked at both of these because we visited it worsley's very spread out yeah so you it don't is. get the same you don't get appreciation for it. yeah you've got to look on google and go right okay i'll get the whole thing but on plantation so, it's all there i wonder then from a uk point of view if the plantation section of me is the widest mm-hmm. section of motorway in the uk mm-hmm. because it's all side by side so it's the, it's the widest by land take you know, so you're, you're saying the most amount of lanes squeezed into yeah, a certain running area. side by side. But yeah. also the argument could be made for the M25 at Heathrow, okay. where it's also got parallel things as well. Of course. You know what, I'm going to put my hands up here and I've, I haven't counted that. Yeah. So one day, Stuart, we're going to need to, to look at the maps and see how many mm-hmm. lanes are either way. Right, so I'm going to I'm going to throw this one to you because I know you've done a bit of studying of this and you had sure. discussions with John Cullen, who was one of the designers of this section as well. Mm-hmm. Why is that section so wide? And why did they construct it the way they constructed it? Well, the, John originally looked at having having it as, as two carriageways, traditionally in the sense uh, that you have throughout the main line of the motorway. And it was going to be um, dual five lanes in either direction. And of course, it was envisaged at the time the M77 was going to be there, but also you've got the south flank of the inner race. So all these motorways converge at plantation. Yeah. The problem with the dual five lane uh, is, is the weaving that you have with the traffic all trying to get over to different parts of the motor within the same carriageway and eventually they decided what would be better is to have four carriageways with three lanes each do you follow me yeah i remember actually i remember you having that conversation with john and i remember him saying that they have learned in america or american practice was that if you went above dual four or five Mm-hmm. You started to re- introduce more problems from weaving uh, and that sort it of thing. Absolutely, silly. Yeah, I mean the, the largest, the most amount of lanes you see on carriageways in the world is probably around about um, six or seven. Yeah. After that, what they do is they start adding extra carriageways. You know that you go. Otherwise, it'd be ridiculous. Could you imagine going from lane one to lane nine? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. it just doesn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, in in Texas, when I was there, they 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 had dual six mm-hmm. quite a lot yeah. you know which went up to maybe seven in total areas so is a uh, plantation the only example of dual three braided carriageways in britain or are there others um heathrow does does have braiding 
uh, in the section. What they done when they did widen it there, they added on parallel roads on the either side, but it's not part of the M25's main line. Right. That's the only thing that you get there. Yeah, we do have braiding in other areas, but particularly as you're saying, like for dual three lane, no, not not really in this configuration that you have at Plantation. That is unique in a UK yeah. context. Worsley's braided, but it's much more spread out. You know, there's also the Breadbury Scissors. Yep. So there's a junction on the M60, uh, which is a braided kind of interchange that, that runs next to it. But um, yeah, and not I suppose many, not many other examples. No, I mean they were probably anticipating something like what 180,000 vehicles a day passing through there because yeah. you had the south flank, which was going to be dual four. Mm -hmm. You had the Kingston Bridge west flank that was dual. Well, say dual, dual five. Dual five coming down to dual three, joining mm -hmm. the uh, yeah the. Uh, the Renfrew Motorway. The M77. M77 was, was originally going to be, when the time this was designed, was going to be dual three. That's right. Although ultimately only became dual two. And then obviously the M8 out to, to Renfrew was going to be dual four yeah. until it started to reduce towards yeah. Ibrox and, and Helen Street. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be huge. Now, some facts um, about this whole section. Initially, it was intended <clears throat> that only the mainline M8 and the ramps from the M8 to the M77 were going to be constructed as part of this contract. Yep. However, the Scottish Development Department made a call to Glasgow Corporation sometime around 1973 and had said to them that they were having difficulty spending money that had been earmarked for Edinburgh's improved road system. Yeah. And could Glasgow spend more money if it was made available to them? Yes. Um, so the corporation had called Scott Wilson, who of course were their advisor on the highway plan and, and, and various bits and bobs. And uh, they said, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll have a look at it. Because the whole highway plan, if you remember, we've discussed this before, it was designed in a way that sections could be added easily and would give the most benefit. You know, so they weren't going to build some remote section of the Maryhill Motorway that wasn't connected to anything. They always took the view that it should be something connected to the main system in yeah, some exactly. way. Yeah, you're not making kind of cut-off motorways. Exactly, yeah, because yeah, the, there was always the risk that you wouldn't finish the bits in between, as they found elsewhere, mm -hmm. you know, when they did that. So they tried to keep it simple and sensible. So they said, well, actually, we're about to start working the Renfrew Motorway. We've acquired all this land, uh, you know, to allow for these future braided carriageways. Why don't we just build them now? and have them sitting, you know, waiting, ready for the, the south flank coming mm -hmm. along, you know, down the line. And the corporation kind of like, yeah, okay, we understand that. But there was a bit of hesitance um, from them that, you know, they worried that you would have these empty carriageways sitting there doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And we know through our conversations with Andrew Davis, yeah. who was already at the corporation motorway team by this point, that they, did, they considered turning them into car parks. Yeah, in, um, the, in and, the meantime. Yeah, and, and doing all happens. sorts of things with them, you know, just to justify their existence. That's right, um, because the M77 didn't actually, uh, well, the M77 is what we call the Dumbreck Road connection. Yeah. You know, it's the first part of the, the M77. Uh, didn't open until 1981. That's right. So there was these five years, yeah. you know, where they didn't, these so, ramps done nothing. Yeah, so you had an off ramp to Paisley Road and you had an on ramp from Carnoustie Street and that was it. So you had yeah. a trickle of vehicles using these two dual three motorways yeah. on either side of the main line, not doing very much for the first five years. And thereafter, not really doing much more because, mm -hmm. you know, even then, there's only traffic for Dumbreck Road on the outside. Yeah. It really was only when the M74 completion came along in 2011 right. that those sections of road really finally started to be used. And that's where all the motorways meet. 
isn't yeah. it? You know, and uh, the, the, it was widened. You know, the outer carriageways or yep. what they call the secondary carriageways. Yeah, yeah. Dual four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was widened to take that. So that's that's an interesting feature. And I think it was actually the additional cost was something in the region of like ten million pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, the extra money that was made available by the you know the Scottish Development Department. Uh, you know, for that. So we're kind of fortunate in a way that that. So happened. we should we should thank Edinburgh for being so. Yeah. For not being able to decide what they wanted to do. I was going to use a bad word there, but not, not <laughs> able to spend the money uh, so that we could have it instead. Yeah, exactly. And, and that proved worthwhile when the M74 eventually Absolutely. came along because that was a huge saving. I mean, if they had to build that, that as well at that point. In this day and been, age with all the compulsory yeah. purchase and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so. That, that, was, uh, that was a bit of luck mm-hmm. um, on, on the part of that. So... So a lot about plantation. Yeah. So where does that leave us? If we're, if we're still talking about Rainfrew Stage 1... You know, we've, we've gone through the construction. We get to the junction at Ibrooks and the junction at Govan or Helen Street. Yeah. Just there. A couple of diamond interchanges, you know, you know there. Why Why is kind of Ibrooks the way it is? It only has slips facing one way. It does. You're right. I guess it's because of its proximity to Helen Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably designed for traffic, leaving the stadium to go east. Yeah. Um, that, that's primary purpose of, of Ibrox and for you know connection to Dunbreck yeah. um, although you can now only do that from the M74 rather than from the M8 but I'd imagine that it was felt that traffic heading west from Ibrox was best place to go up Helen Street and join the motorway going west there yeah. although there are east facing slips at Helen Street yeah. but that was probably because of industry and connections to Bell Houston Park and Cardonald and all the, you know, the various things around about there mm-hmm. and that'll be the reason that that wants full access as opposed to Ibrox which is only a half diamond yeah that's right there's also another problem there that I've noticed. If you are coming up the M77 and if you want to go and head towards like Paisley, you want to go west, yeah. you have to take the Seaward Street Loop, which they added in 2008. Yeah. Well, prior to that, you had to come off at Drum- Dunbreck. Yeah. So is this the reason why you don't actually have ramps that connect straight to the west? Because it would be too close to the Ibrox Junction. Yeah, I mean, lots of people get annoyed about that. Um, let's be honest, the primary reason for those ramps not existing for westbound traffic is that you would have gone via the South Link motorway yep. that was supposed to have broken off the M77 around about Junction 1 to Breck Road yep. and proceeded sort of northwestwards towards the M8 where it would have joined westbound at Cardonald. At the Clyde Tunnel. At the Clyde Tunnel Junction. Yep. So if you think of Junction 25, mm-hmm. so you're approaching the Clyde Tunnel and you go off and you've got that very long slip road that takes you up to the roundabout. Yeah, the is that the one that's, that's right next to the railway line? Yes, right yes. next to the train station. Mm-hmm. So if you look in there, you'll see extra wide verges and things like that. That's where the South Link motorway was going to connect. We've mentioned, we have mentioned this before as we're going to, because a few people have asked about it. Yeah. There's two There's two bridges there. The first one you come across if you're heading west is Berry Nose. Berry Nose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. And then the actual overbridge for, yeah. for the other one. Carl Donald's, as you say, very, very wide in that section there to accommodate another motorway yeah. coming in. Yeah. And that'll be wide beyond Cardonald, between Cardonald and Bray Heads. You know, it's dual four lane. Dual four, yeah. With with actually the capacity for even more. That's right, yeah. You know? I mean, there's a big viaduct there that goes over the old uh, Voika uh, timber yard. And uh, it's very wide through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, dual four, hard shoulder as well. Mm-hmm. Again, all to accommodate all these movements. So you would have the South Link motorway and the Clyde Tunnel you know, coming on basically the same junction. So they would have a lot of traffic movements there. So that's why there's the additional capacity and for that. And still a few signs in the ground that it should have been much more than it actually is. It is. And there was another road. We'd never talk about this road, but there was another road that was meant to come off there called the Erskine Expressway. Yeah. The Erskine Expressway would basically have left the motorway in the same way that the Brayhead slips do at the moment at Junction 25A. Mm-hmm. And where you get to Brayhead... 
the road would have veered to the left and then run along what I think is now known as King's Inch Drive. King's Inch uh, Avenue? Y- yeah, r- well, r- roughly, it was actually a little bit more south than that initially and then it turns up towards it and then it kind of does a, a funny bend as we're looking at the map here seeing where it would have gone it basically provides a little northern bypass of Renfrew yeah uh, yeah and crossing the Clyde probably on a new bridge you know just next to where the Bascule bridge is at the moment that would have ran away out towards Erskine from there oh yeah. over the car <laughs> yeah, yeah at the car so yeah so you would have had that expressway leaving there as well uh, obviously that didn't happen uh, for whatever reason but they were then able to utilise the space left for it for the Brayhead slips the Brayhead spur mm-hmm. when it was constructed in 1998 uh, that was Balfour Beatty incidentally who built that section as well they yeah. also widened the section of the eastbound M8 at that time as well so when you come on from Brayhead I think it's actually dual 5 not 5 dual both directions but it's certainly four. yeah but you have a you have a merge that runs for quite a few hundred yards when you come on from Brayhead, so there's a stretch That's where there's right. five lanes. It, it comes up and then yeah, and then, and then basically got the lane drop for the Clyde Tunnel, yeah, and then yeah. you back down to three. Yeah, after and, that. You, and you still have your hard shoulder through there as well. So mm-hmm. so it's effectively so five it is lanes a wide, for a stretch. A wide section yeah. going through there. I've I have noticed that. Yeah, and you then know. those lanes peel off, and then you're left just with the the dual three connection to Hillington. That's right. So there's something funny about this, and we are in the grey area between. Hillington, uh, between, sorry, the Renfrew Bypass and the Renfrew Motorway. So Hillington Interchange was actually built as part of the Renfrew Bypass, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Why did they make the structure there only accommodate three lanes in either direction? Because you, you see that, you know, when you're actually passing over Hillington, there's no hard shoulder. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. That. Mm-hmm. It's probably just to save costs. Like we saw in some parts of the inner ring road, they just felt the justification wasn't there mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, you know, just not to do it. I, I would imagine it was for cost reasons rather than anything else. If you think of Town Head, where you've got three lanes crossing the viaducts and things with no hard shoulder. Uh, think of it being a, a very early scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a bit more difficult to justify additional lanes when what they were providing was already well in excess of what was needed. At the time. Yeah, so I would imagine it probably relates more to that. Think of Whitecart Viaduct. Yeah. Three lanes across it. Which is, which no is shoulder. absolutely overloaded yeah. now, yeah. but... You know, back then. you know, so it's the same. It's the same thing, you know. And think about this: we Hillington Interchange when it was constructed and you know finished and opened in 1968. That section of Renfrew Bypass was built to rural motorway standards. Mm-hmm. Now it's difficult to imagine that now because there's so much built up around about Hillington between Brayhead, Hillington Industrial Estate's getting much bigger. You've got all the retail developments that have happened adjacent, all the car showrooms and all the various things yep. that have all happened about there. Now. You could almost say that the Renfrew Bypass section is an urban motorway. It's become urban. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, as the sprawl has continued mm. westwards away from Certainly Glasgow. has junctions close together on it, on yeah. its uh, western end. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, back to the Renfrew motorway. Mm-hmm. So, so it terminated there. Now, think, think of it this way. Eight years was the gap between the completion of the Renfrew Bypass and the completion of the Renfrew motorway. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, traffic coming from the west had this lovely section of motorway around the south of uh, Renfrew or north of Paisley, were then dumped back on the A8, That's you know, right. and had to crawl along, you know, towards the city that way. Mm-hmm. There was hall. some relief provided in 1973 when the Clyde Tunnel and the Clyde Side Expressway were completed because they then almost acted as a northern alternative they to did. Paisley. So the, the tunnel was already open. Yeah, and the they had the the Southern Expressway to yeah. the tunnel, but it was the the, the North Clydeside Expressway yeah. been open until what was it seventy three? That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean for the first three years that the Clydeside Expressway was open, its traffic flows were higher than they were after nineteen seventy six when the M eight opened, yeah. because people knew they could zip through the tunnel, and uh, the you know side. so you were actually still able to miss the worst 
I see in inverted commas of Paisley Road. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the sort of uh, the, uh, what's the word, the, the, the retaily built up here, re- residential part what, of Paisley Road. stop starting. Yeah, with all the frontage on it, your frontages on it. So we've spoken a little bit about journey times and congestions and things. So the Renfrew motorway, since all this was built, has had some improvements over the years and, and perhaps it's a good time to talk about how it performs now. Yeah. You know? So... We got an extra lane on it. They converted the hard shoulder into a running lane, basically from Plantation all the way out to Junction 25. Yes, on the westbound side. On the westbound side, that's right. You know, uh, which has helped. You know, it does give that that bit of extra capacity through there. Um, this is a road. I, I know Stuart, you don't use this road very very often, but I did when I I lived through there a lot, and I noticed the road. It did get far busier when the M74 was completed. Yeah, it went through. Okay, a sign of its success, yes, I suppose. High utilization, yes. you know, yep. it's the, the economy going, I guess. All right, okay. So, there is a problem that this traffic growth has increased and increased and increased. And I found that when you've got the convergence of these three motorways in one the M8, the M77, and the M74 this thing is bursting, yeah, in particular. And, um, yeah, it, something needs to be done about this. Now, there are a few different options of, of, of what I've thought, really, the feeling. The problem for the Renfrew motorway is, is we don't have the the south link. We don't have the south link. We don't have the alternative route. So everything that wants to head west from Glasgow towards Paisley, Renfrewshire, and Inverclyde is all focused on one single corridor. Yeah. Um, that corridor is overloaded because, as we said, suburban sprawl mm-hmm. has pushed the commuter belt further and further and further out. So there are more people in cars getting on the motorway to go to Glasgow and various other places mm-hmm. than maybe was envisaged at the time. So the motorway tends to perform reasonably well as far as Brehead, Hillington, with some issues. Yeah, we've got a bottleneck on the M77 that causes problems on the main line east of the M77 in the evening peak. And likewise, the approach to Hillington, Mm -hmm. where you've got so much traffic merging at Hillington from Hillington, you know, joining at Junction 26 to go west. That's right. That creates a problem for traffic heading west and causes queuing. Because it backs the whole thing. I mean, one of the first things I'd have somebody said, right, what could we do right now to fix it? Add an extra lane between 26 and 27. Yeah, I mean, if you had the extra lane between Paisley and uh, and Hillington, that would allow for more weaving and, and, you know. It's a safety improvement as well. Yeah. Because you you, you would have that, so it's just a dedicated on rather than everybody trying to push over and then go off again. Now, that's the westbound problem. The westbound constraints are really caused by the Renfrew bypass rather than the Renfrew motorway. On the eastbound side, there's kind of two problems. The, the main one is congestion on the inner ring road, so the Charing Cross bottleneck that mm-hmm. we've discussed many times where it drops the two lanes across the Kingston Bridge and back. So that tends to be the main issue on the plantation section heading east. Because on a normal day, and I say a normal day, congestion doesn't often stretch west of the M77 split because most traffic will filter off for the M74 and it, it's free flow. But on the mainline stretch, you will often get congestion from 22 all the way through to 16, say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a normal day. However, if there's an incident on the, on the M8, it can be really quite It yeah. can be really, quite really bad. confounds. And in the, the morning peak in particular, it's not uncommon if there's an accident or an incident for it to be queued all the way back to Erskine. Yeah. And, and that's been seen on a few occasions in recent years. Mm-hmm. It's not really the fault of the Renfrew motorway mm-hmm. as such. It's just doing the job of a whole lot of other roads that yeah. we never built. That's what you you said it quite well earlier. There is no alternative. Yeah, I remember a, a police incident happened a few years ago on the westbound, mm-hmm. 
uh, side and it was just uh, the Brayhead Junction and the whole motorway was shut. Yeah. And it took me so long to go home, get home that that night. I remember that. Yeah. It's uh, it can be it can be difficult, but it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the Monkland Motorway in the sense that its problems are caused by adjacent sections. Yeah. It's like the Kingston Bridge. The Kingston Bridge isn't the cause of the congestion on the ring road. It's, it's, it's a the, section at Charing Cross. It's a Charing Cross section and, and a bit further around. Yeah. But people think, the, you know, people hate the bridge because, oh, I'm stuck on that bridge. But it's not a bridge. It's fine. I always find I move on the bridge. It's when I get either side of it where the problems are. Yeah, you know? exactly. And the Renfrew Motorway is kind of the same. It's, it's just the same. very, very, very yeah. busy. How do you feel about the, it's, the way it looks? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. Because right. I was just about to make that point that I would say that the Renfrew motorway is more of a Glasgow motorway mm-hmm. in a traditional sense than the Monkland motorway. And the simple reason for that is it was designed by the same consultants who looked after the ring road design. If you think of the Monkland motorway, that was designed in-house by the corporation. So they put their own stamp on it. Yeah. Uh, and later Strathclyde Regional Council, of course, for, for stage 2A and 2B. But Renfrew was designed the way the ring road was designed by Scott Wilson and W.A. Fairhurst, and Hoffords. Yeah. So it has the high-mast lights that are nice and tall, you know, 30-metre mm-hmm. high-mast lights as opposed to the 24-metre high ones you get in the Monkland Motorway. You've got uh, you've got the nice wall panels. Mm-hmm. You've got the internally illuminated gantry signs yep. uh, in the original kind of style, or they were in the original checklist style. checklist of all the things you'd want on a Glasgow yep. Motorway. Yep. Uh, you had your paved central reservation. Now, yeah, you, you get all that in the Monkland Motorway, but in terms of how it looked, the actual look of it, Mm-hmm. What just had that? I think the profile of it is particularly nice. Is, is they've got it basically depressed in the section mm. uh, from plantation and completely covered by vegetation and trees on yeah, either on either well, bike. I think it's well landscaped. Yeah, I mean you can drive along there. You can't see beyond the embankments on the other side because so mm. many thousands of trees were planted. You know to cover it in, and again that was a very much a key part of the of the design. I think personally, from a quality point of view, that the Renfrew motorway is aging better than the Monkland. Mm-hmm. In terms of just how it looks, you know, obviously these things aged are well used, very well used. I just think the Monkland wears better. More of the structures are concrete on there, there's not so much steel, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the Renfrew just feels like it's uh, aging more gracefully. Which is surprising, given the, you know, the amount of traffic that actually yeah. uses it compared to the Monkland. The Monkland is its better behaving cousin, in my opinion, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, with with, uh, with with it doesn't the, suffer the same problems. The original plan was that the the Monkland and the Renfrew motorway would both have been completed by 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Monkland was delayed because of internal issues with the design. The, the corporation uh, were very slow to get off the mark. Mm-hmm. By the time no, they were 1980, ready, it was finished. Yeah, wasn't I mean, it? by yeah. the time they were ready, there had been funding issues that held the whole thing up. But mm-hmm. The original target one, as it is in the highway plan, would have seen. The, the Renfrew Motorway and Monkland Motorway completed in 1975. Mm. As it happened, only stage one of the Monkland opened in 75. 76, obviously, for the Renfrew, and then, as you said, 1979 and 1980 for mm. the two sections, the final two sections of the Monkland Motorway. Yeah. Air Motorway, supposed to be completed by 1977, 78, initially, stage one to the Road. Didn't get it to 96. Well, yeah, the, the, all the way to Newton Mearns, the Dunbreck Road connection obviously came in August 1981. Mm. Uh, but you're right, December 1996 for the section, you know, south of there. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole raft of things. A whole number of things have happened in recent years that have made it become a much busier route. I mean, the M74 completion has put a lot more traffic on it than, than was on it before that because it's 
a convenient corridor, people are less likely to go into the surface street system. Yeah. You know, if they, they know they can get to the M74 and away. That's quicker. another thing, it is convenient. I mean, yeah. getting off any of these areas, uh, going into Cardonald and Govan yeah, and stuff, that, it's, it's fantastic for that. That was a key part of the design, you know, the, ah, the commission, you know, that they were given. It's great for public transport. Because if you have used like um, the Shields Road park and ride, yeah. you can jump off there, you can yeah. go to the subway at Govan and stuff like that. So and you know, there, there aren't many cities in the world where you can jump on the bus and be at the airport in 10 minutes. Yes, because you know, it's got um, an express bus. Yeah, yeah. you know, when, when the buses are running well, the road's running clear, you can be at Glasgow Airport in no time. So speaking a bit about public transport and how it um, interacts with the uh, Renfrew motorway, we have, uh, I think it's quad track if not more, of railway between Paisley Gilmore Street and Glasgow Central, mm -hmm. which runs a parallel and underneath yeah. the Renfrew yeah. motorway intersection. I mean, we have a huge congestion problem on this road. We also have a huge amount of public transport there, but it's even the public transport... Suffers is, to an extent. Is, yeah. it, well, it, it's still not helping. So so where, where does the solution lie? I mean, we've spoken about widening, or perhaps isn't that a fool's errand? Well, could I, we maybe see that actually we could put a lane there and it would just we'd have the same problem twenty years down the line, or should yeah. we build another route? Right. Well, first and foremost, I I think the point needs to be made that, and, and as we've said this before, these roads were designed for traffic at nineteen ninety levels yeah. on the whole. Their entry motorway was, mm -hmm. and uh, we're we're you know, thirty years past, you know, nineteen ninety. We're almost as far from nineteen ninety now as the designers were. In fact. Yeah, we're further from from nineteen ninety than the designers were when they were designing the road. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're a generation beyond that. Traffic has increased, mm. you know, considerably since 1990. and the honest truth is, there's still too many people using cars when they could be. They could. There will be people using the motorway that could be using public transport, mm -hmm. you know, to but get we, to work. But it has very good public transport. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, yeah. we've got a very good railway line. Yeah, yeah. Between, I mean, the frequency of trains between Gilmore Street yep. and um, but think of Renfrew. Central. Think of Renfrew. Think of Erskine. They don't think have of Bishopton. They don't have well. Bishopton has a good railway set. Yeah. Uh, uh, park and ride facility yeah. but Erskine you're right Erskine Nothing. doesn't Renfrew doesn't think all oh, the houses they built at Brayhead in the last 10 years mm -hmm. hundreds of them yeah. probably well over a thousand two thousand houses built round about that King's Inch area that mm -hmm. we said King's Inch Drive whatever it is but there is another, no train station there is another road related solution that's coming in form of this Yoka Renfrew bridge yeah it's how, ma how many of these people are using their cars or trying to get about or even using the railway network mm -hmm. uh, or buses or cycling or whatever are going into the city to then have to go back out again to get to places like Yoka or the West End. Certainly, maybe this bridge would take quite a lot of traffic off the M8. That's possible. I, I mean, I, I'd imagine somebody's done a check on that. I don't anticipate it being so much that it would eliminate congestion. It no. might make a difference. The other thing, John, we have to we have to realise as well that with traffic as it is at the moment, you know, mm -hmm. given the ongoing pandemic that we've been in, congestion has basically been non-existent. Yeah, that's on right. that section of because motorway. Because like you, you and I, we're working from home. Yeah. You know? So, you know, is that the way forward? Are more people going to be working from home, particularly Hopefully. office workers? Hopefully. That leaves the road free for deliveries of goods and movement of people who need to get to work by car. You know, it could be people who work mm. night shifts or, or back shifts or, you know. Well, that, that well, you're, you're saying that kind of segues nice. And my, my point is congestion, yes, it's really annoying to you and I. Trying to, sitting in our car on our own trying to get home but do you know how much it costs businesses yeah. you know deliveries and things like that they're the people who really get hurt from it yeah. you know, so. I, there's nothing more frustrating for me than when I'm heading to the office in, in Glasgow <clears throat> sitting on the bus mm -hmm. and you're sitting in the bus for 40 minutes you know in the congestion for 40 minutes approaching the city centre mm -hmm. when you know that 
if the road was just a bit quieter, the bus journey would take 15 minutes. And just a bit quieter is the thing. Yeah. You know, you know so we do need to encourage more people to, you know, leave the car, get in the bus, get in the train, if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, although given the current situation, yeah, we're not one encouraging of, one, that. But. One of the points um, is, is um, f- obviously now I live in Livingston. So, yeah. you know, going my, my city is now Edinburgh. Yeah. So um, you cannot... Well, you can take a car into Edinburgh, but it's ill-advised. So I use the train to go into Edinburgh if I need to. Yeah. One thing that struck me in doing this was um, actually the uh, the cost itself. It's expensive. Public transport is also quite expensive. You mm-hmm. think, well, hold on a minute. Probably the same as me going in and parking for the day. You know, so we do need to see a better pricing model with some public transport. Yeah, that's a whole. That's, that's another, a whole other issue. That's <laughs> another thing. You yeah, know, I mean, so it was. It, it, I just that I found that quite jarring. From from an engineering point of view, though, the Renfrew Motorway is a is a wonderful yeah. section of road, very well designed, mm-hmm. built to very very high standard. It's just struggling a bit now. It is, so and it. and a happy forty fourth birthday. Forty four. Forty four. You said. Yep, yeah. At the end ah. of this month, it will be a forty four. Well, there we go. That's so, it. I think the, the the only other thing we were going to mention about the Renfrew Motorway. Um, that I think, yes, we were talking about the Seaboard Street loop. Um, that was a 2008 job. Uh, I'll just tell you, we have the, we have the facts. So, the, the, yeah, the Seaboard Street loop, loop does allow you to U-turn on the motorway, um, yeah. which is quite a unique thing. So it was completed mid-2007, uh, designed oh, right. by Glasgow City Council and constructed by London Construction. Okay. Okay, uh, that was a trade-off for the completion of the M74 because people in the Dumbreck area had obvious concerns that it could lead to additional traffic and whatnot using the Breck Road, which is a very residential area, but also a very busy road. Mm-hmm. And uh, by, by constructing the Seaboard Street loop, you were able to continue in the motorway and, and, and go west, basically, by taking this short loop that they constructed. And it seems to work very well. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. You see these purpose-built in America everywhere. Right, okay. At the junctions. Mm-hmm. If you go to any Diamond Junction or anything like that on, on the highways in the States in America... So when I was in um, Houston, yeah, they've all got that as a dedicated thing. You don't even have to go down to the lights. Mm. You just take the loop, turn round. That's yeah. what it's for. Good. That so works very well. It does work very well. You know? And from a maintenance point of view, let me tell you, it is useful. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so the Renfrew Motorway article is on our website. Um, if you want to read, you know, a lot more detail about it, www.glasgows-motorways.org.uk forward slash the dash Renfrew dash motorway. Mm-hmm. what's on there and that will be getting a re- refresh in the coming months as we as we move over to the new style of the website so stay tuned for that you've been very busy with that Stuart yes it's all happening very 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 quietly in the background with a probable launch towards the end of the year uh, we'll, we'll probably one of our December podcasts will probably focus on the new website and how you navigate it because it is going to be transformational it will Especially be a radical departure from what you've seen before from our website and it will take a bit of getting used to um, and a bit you know but people will people will enjoy but that when you're saying things you when, know. when Stuart's saying radical don't worry you're not losing out on content we're not no, taking no, you're getting, things way away more you're getting way more way more content and we know most of you sit and look at this on your mobiles because yeah. that's what everybody does yes. now so it's far more mobile friendly yes, but we are not taking features away from the website no 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 if anything there will be way more than there have ever been Good. before yes okay so then slide scanning yep so how many slides have we got still to scan Right, so we have somewhere in the region of eleven to 12,000 photographic slides. That's 35mm film mounted in card or in plastic 
frames. Now, before when Stuart and I were were, were ever scanning slide, we had our own have our own slide scanner. Yeah. Uh, which is a fantastic bit of kit. Yeah. Uh, it's a specialized bit of kit, but it does take a lot of time. Yes. We have to clean the slides. We have to load them in yeah. and go through. And each slide can take sometimes upward of about a minute, a minute and a half. Yeah. Or, because, or, or, and I think it's it's important to mention uh, and, and make it plain to people that we don't we're not scanning something at 200 dpi because 10 years from now 15 years from now that resolution probably would be useless for what we would want to use it for would it be on publications be it on a website social media we want it you know, high res it has to be as high resolution as possible we're future proofing the use of it we're getting the best quality image that we can and that takes time and with that old scanner that was about 10 years old um you could only scan one at a time and scanning at 1200 dpi or 3600 dpi could take five six minutes Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going through the whole process with the software. Now you think about how many slides. Yeah. You know, you said there, Stuart, how long that is. Yeah. Now, people who have been regular listeners of the podcast and follow us on social media will know that we've discussed slide scanning before, and we did have conversations with several professional organisations about getting our slides scanned by them, um, photographed the- by them. But the, the simple truth is, the cost was going to run into the tens of thousands of pounds potentially. Yeah. For what we had to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, money that we simply we didn't just have available. So and, we uh, thought, you know, with this, what what do we get? Because, um, you know, people do donate to us. And yeah. we, we're very, very grateful of that. And thank you so much for donating. We thought, okay, well, we haven't got much money. Well, what can we do with that? And it was actually, well, why don't we just get another well, scanner? Well, that's it. I mean, a number of new scanners have come onto the market in recent years. I mean, scanning of old photography, you know, old photographs and things has become a more popular hobby for people. Mm. And uh, the, some of the newer scanners that are out there actually offer the facility of batch scanning. Yeah. So the, the, the Postec scanner that we've picked up which the old the old scanner was a Postec as well Postec offer the best quality scanners because it's not flatbed the the slides are actually suspended between two light sources so you're getting the best quality image coming through it so we've invested in one that actually allows us to scan four slides at a time Mm. in the same resolution that we had before and much better software and much better software much much more what's the word uh, intuitive <laughs> software than the old stuff that we were using so that has had the effect of seeing the last three weeks we have scanned more slides than we have in the last 10 years that, that's amazing yeah that really is and it's because it's so much simpler to use as well yeah. you can just sit there and click 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 yeah. click click and, it and, goes and, I, and you know what i think going forward this is probably the best option because rather than farming it out to someone it's going to cost us a lot of money which we couldn't do anyway because everything's on hold with, with coronavirus and stuff this year so we would have been sitting on it anyway it made more sense for us to be doing it in our spare time um as part of our general volunteering for the, yeah. the glass motorway archive so, so we're working through them we are gonna up our game though we are gonna get another scanner yeah well the hope is the hope is that if if we get some more donations through i mean we had the kingston bridge badges that you know we got some income from that we've had some donations um i, I should also mention at this stage we've, we've had our first sponsor as yes. well um <laughs> east for the excavations have sponsored us for for this year yeah. um you know for, from now until next year 2021 we thank uh, andy and the team there the, the civil engineering contractor thank you very much to them for sponsoring yeah. us our first proper sponsor uh we really appreciate that and 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 the, the the sort of revenue we've had from from this sponsorship and from some of the donations we've had we're hopeful will allow us to pick up another scanner Maybe even another two scanners, so we can batch and we can all we work can on it. We can really yeah. keep getting through them, and it's these scans and this material that, that allows us to share all this new stuff with you. I mean, two weeks ago, I didn't know much about the Clarkson Expressway that had been proposed, mm-hmm. um, one of the first to be cancelled. That has to be said, and you know, in nineteen in the seventies, and we scanned a whole load of slides that had been donated to us years ago from Holfords or, or 
what became a Holford's. And there's all this detailed scheme information for the, the Clarkston and Kilmarnock Expressways. And I know you and your social media is going to be sharing some of yes. those coming up. No spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. <laughs> um, but we, we it was very enlightening. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, and similarly, we have we have a few hundred uh, on the Lomond Motorway, mm-hmm. Mary Hill Motorway, uh, the East Flank yep. of the Ring Road, all the various iterations of the East Flank that were you know devised through the 70s and into the 80s even, uh, the Cathedral Plaza, the city centre, mm-hmm. uh, there was even something about a de- decking over the River Clyde in, at Clyde Street, um, yeah. you know, as well, and had turned it into a car park and a, a retail facility. There's, there's, These are fascinating. Yeah. They really there, are there's, fascinating. there's all sorts of yeah. things in there. There's even some public transport stuff uh, tucked mm-hmm. in amongst it as well. Um, you know, so, yeah, there's Exciting. a lot, and there's going to be much more output coming. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's good, and I think everybody will appreciate that. And as the website obviously develops, as well, the new website. We will make features of these things. We will, yeah. yeah. And we'll, of course, share them on social media. Um, yeah. The other yeah. thing, it's not just slides. We are getting some film stuff, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. along you the know, lines, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. is coming along. Uh, we also have a lot of documents in yes. e-scanning, but, you know, we're coming up with better mechanisms to do all this yeah. stuff. You the know? digitization is in a far better position now than it was 12 months ago. Uh, you know, the, the lockdown, um, you know, as difficult as it was um, mm-hmm. for us, actually made us look into some things that we probably were sitting on here we were, we were putting off yeah so there's a lot of stuff being scanned that, that we didn't have scans of before so you know we're actually in a position almost almost to release our archive uh, catalog you know so people will be able to browse the catalog and see what we hold in the collection and uh, if they want to see it or whatever they can make a request you know that's yeah. what we're working towards with the new website um you know so you know we're getting there. We are getting yeah, there slowly yeah. but surely. And it's only, it's, it, everything is, is resource intense, whether it's people mm-hmm. or money. And these donations and, and, and the sponsorship from Eastford Excavations has made a huge difference, and it will do. And the Kingston Bridge badges as well. My goodness, they, f- yeah. they flew out the door. They flew out the door. And, well, there's the other big thing that we always do. We're doing a calendar. Yes, we're doing a calendar. <laughs> Another calendar for this year. Wall calendar uh, this year. Yeah. You may remember we ran a poll uh, on social media a few weeks ago, and the overwhelming response was wall calendar now the benefit of doing a wall calendar is actually you'll get bigger images yeah for less price because right, wall calendars are far cheaper bit, to produce they are yeah so hopefully we'll do quite a good deal on it yeah. you know and get get them out absolutely there, you know? uh, so there's I, loads of people that are new who are listening to this podcast or start following us who missed out on these things yeah, before so yeah, yeah. it's a fantastic present so hopefully we can get them on sale quite soon yeah stocking filler. We're also looking into potentially launching in, in 2021 almost like a friends of the archive type thing where you would offer a, a almost like a subscription fee to us where you would pay a, a small sum of money or whatever and you would get a calendar or a booklet or a badge as it became mm. available and like things a like kind that. of so Patreon. You, type yeah, thing. so you wouldn't yeah. need to jump in and buy something as it became available. You know, you would you would you would pledge an amount yeah. and you would get certain things for that so, so. That, that's right merchandise is something we're looking yeah. at we, we have a shop facility on our website now well we will do uh, it's not there at the moment but it will be back when when things launch well in, that, in that that's a feature that's on very much going to be on the new site oh yeah there will be things available through. because I, I people expect more and more from us mm-hmm. as we go forward we need revenue basically to to, to bring these things to life but you know. actually, the funniest thing is, Stuart, is we got a lot of these ideas from members of the public when we were at the GVVT. Yeah. A lot of people say, you should sell mugs. Yeah. You should sell coasters, yeah. badges. Yeah, because... And, <laughs> and, you know, and we were like, we never thought of this. Yeah. Do people actually want this? You, and well, and you they know, do. You know, you know my view on these things is that I don't like forcing things on people, on yeah. the audience in particular. I mean, there's a lot of Facebook groups and social media groups and things out there now who actually charge people for exclusive content and stuff like that we will mm. never the Glasgow Motorway Archive will never 
never ever mm-hmm. ever make content available to behind people behind a paywall behind a paywall yeah. never that, that just totally goes against what I believe the whole purpose well, the library of this doesn't should do be. that no so, exactly yeah. so yeah okay there may be things available to people that they can buy that helps it's all running costs mm-hmm. not profit for us remember uh, we're not a non-profit group all the money we get is reinvested in what we have and that software so what we're recording now is mm-hmm. done on expensive recording equipment through an adobe That's software and, sounds you know. so good yeah you know, well this well. is our new socially distanced podcast remember so yep. there might be a slight difference in, in audio because john has as he said earlier is now in livingston uh you know so given the restrictions we've had to separate ourselves for our podcasts uh yeah. at the moment which is a shame yes i know it's a real shame <laughs> we'll struggle through the podcast will still keep going exactly so another thing just talking a, a little bit about the archive uh we've had quite a few podcasts now where we've spoken about the a9 the m9 yes and the a720 and some of our glasgow listeners might listen to this I, i'm not sure we've, we've always had great feedback on them and think well you guys are covering more and more and more and it's because actually we are getting more and more and yeah. more info outside it's, it's, it's of the Glasgow yeah. it is growing there is yeah. huge research projects going into the A1 yeah. the A9 uh, more stuff going into the city bypass and stuff like yeah. that as well it's, and eventually Stuart it, it will get to a stage where all of the scanning and digitising and, and proper writing up for articles yeah. on roads at, with yeah. Glasgow it's very likely the case that what you now know as the Glasgow Motorway Archive will probably become something bigger in, in the coming years because as the material becomes available we, we have will probably be the biggest single resource of post-war roads information in, in Scotland yeah. uh, you know so we'll probably reach a point where it makes sense to do that mm-hmm. and what we now know as the Glasgow Motorway Archive will just become a component of of this much bigger thing but that's certainly something for down the line but yeah we don't turn material away just because it's from perth or aberdeen or edinburgh i'd like to say so if you're listening to this podcast and you may know somebody who worked on schemes maybe worked on the a9 a96 a90 uh, m90 and they've got materials get in touch with us and we we could help kind of digitize that and bring that to life yeah and it will it will put an article on it and anything people do contribute you'll be credited oh absolutely absolutely yeah um, that's our that's our big plans, isn't it? So yes, it is indeed. There is in terms of events, we have nothing else planned for the rest of the year uh, in terms of public events. Anyway, we had to um, do our last uh, two on Teams and Zoom. Didn't yeah, we? we did indeed. So there's probably not going to be any any in in the pers- in person events this year now. So we'll see what twenty twenty one brings in that regard. We do have one or two fancy special things planned for Christmas, as we always do. We usually release something new around December time. Mm-hmm. We are working on one or two things. Um, yeah. behind the scenes to, to try and make that as special this year as we can given that 2020 hasn't necessarily been wonderful no. um, so stay stay tuned for more on that you will be pleased to know that one of the podcasts coming up we have PC Nick coming back on for another discussion D- digitally digitally yes yeah. yes another social distanced <laughs> uh, element to the whole thing it just yeah. makes the technology a nightmare for me but you know we're getting there you're doing like so many things at once yeah. right now so so pc nick will be back with us and and it's been a while since we caught up with him um, in fact yeah. god it's been a good few months was it christmas the last time he was on yeah. actually last year it might have been i'm wondering if we should line some questions up for him that yeah. we've got or get so get yeah that's a good point actually yeah if you have any questions about policing the motorways in general the m8 you know get in touch <laughs> send them in and we will be sure to put them past them um, and get him to answer Nick them. He needs when to see pre screen his questions as well. So make sure you, any questions you have about road policing, you send them in well in advance. Yeah. You know, for when we um, do that. See, will we give a preview of the other podcasts we've got coming up for the, for the rest yeah, of the year? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because we've got, I mean, the, the, the A9 one was fantastic, and uh, this would be a good time. And 
to, to say what we've got coming yeah, up I'm next. Just, I'm just flicking through my podcast log book. So um, if I remember correctly, there are some anniversaries and things like that that will come next year that we will speak about. But for the rest of the year, what's uh, apart from the one with Nick, what else have we got? For well, in November, we're intending to revisit the M73. Oh boy! Because it's been a long Lucky time us. since we discussed the M73. In fact, I don't know if we've actually done a separate you know, we'd, podcast we'd on never, it. We've never done one. We've always dumped it in with um, M74. Yep. Uh, in the second part of November, we'll be looking at the Bishopton Motorway. Uh, Bishopton. Bishop, Bishopton Bypass. Bypass. Sorry, I was, couldn't think what the name was. Bishopton Bypass Stage Two, uh, and the E8 out towards Greenock. Again, not something we've ever looked we, at before. Inverclyde and Ayrshire are yep. things we don't talk about um, enough. That's right. Know? Um, and then in December, I think the intention is we're going to look at Ayrshire's road system. We're going to yeah. give it a high level. All those wonderful dual carriageways down there in Ayrshire, we're going to give them a high level look and discuss what they the, have and, and how they got them. The problem is, and I just want to say, if anybody knows anything about construction of the A78 or the A77, please get in touch because we, we just don't have any information on this at all. It is a, a total... Absolutely. We don't, right. we don't know. I mean, yeah. we, we do have to go down there ourselves and research. That's right, and uh, and and then we'll also have the the Christmas edition as we always have in the, the second half of December as well. So that that takes us up to the final quarter yeah. of the year. I uh, no doubt if there's any other things that come up, we'll add them in as well. Yeah, uh, but I think on that note, John, I think we're we're all discussed out with the uh, the Renfrew Motorway. Yeah, for another wee while. It's been a good podcast, quite yeah. relaxed. Yes, there. Um, we chat, we revisit to it. Uh, just to break down the details for people if you've got any questions about it get in touch as always uh, you can hear all of our podcasts uh, I think this might be the 36th episode actually oh, I have lost um, count yeah uh, it, we'll need to start numbering them slightly better <laughs> so you can keep a better control of them that's, that's, that's down to me we'll do that uh, you can hear them all on Podbean iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts as it is now Spotify and also now on YouTube all our podcasts will now be on YouTube uh, going forward, so you can listen to them on there as well. Please be sure to leave us reviews. A few people have in the last couple of weeks. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, on Apple Podcasts in particular, because it will make them more likely to share the fact that we exist and, and spread the word about us. Absolutely. And as well as listening to our podcast, don't forget we are on social media. So if you go to Twitter and you also go to Facebook and Instagram, we share all the photos, including a lot of the ones we've been talking about being digitised and stuff like that. So make sure you head there for the daily fix. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I should have added, actually, you'll remember in the summer when we celebrated the Kingston Bridge 50th anniversary, we, we produced a booklet and the PDF version of that was made available. Uh, the hope is that the hard copies of the booklet will be available in the coming weeks, uh, finally. Uh, so when we get them in, anybody who requested one, who was looking for one, we'll be sure to get in touch with you and send it out and we'll, we'll, we'll make people aware of how they can get one. So sure. stay tuned for that as well. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I think that's us yep. for another, another episode. It is. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye for now.